When we go out and even get crazy, which isn't every day, um, now it's few and far between because you don't have the mental ability or whatever, or the patience to go out and deal with lots of people you don't know and you got to be so careful with what you say. You can't say, look, get the fuck away from me to people who are just, you're, they're fans of yours, they like what you do and it's like they don't understand that you've had a bad day or something like that, you know, it's, it's, it's I can't really find any easy answers right now. Okay. Well, looking around the apartment, I see what once was a beautifully mirrored wall that is now destroyed. Good evening. This is Stephen Chambers, and welcome to a very special bonus episode of Pod Like a Hole. So special, no one knows it's recording it except for me and the gentleman on the other end of the phone, where we are here to talk about the classic album by Guns N' Roses, Chinese Democracy. Now you might ask yourself, well, Steve, why are you doing a podcast about Guns N' Roses on your Nine Inch Nails podcast? Well, if you've listened long enough now, and you're any fan of Nine Inch Nails, you know that Robin Fink, guitar player of Nine Inch Nails, was all over this record. And you also should know that, Guns and, or that uh, Axl Rose was uh, quite, quite a fan uh, of Nine Inch Nails, at least if you look in the User Illusion liner notes, he's wearing a, a, a T-shirt, uh, a Nine Inch Nails shirt for sin. So between those two things and the fact that I think he was trying to make an industrial record here, uh, it's worth talking about. And uh, with me tonight is an old friend, Mr. Uh, we'll call him Mr. Ian K. in case uh, we say anything that will get him in trouble with his job tonight. Um, and uh, Ian, can you introduce me? How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Steve? It's been a while. It has been a while. Uh, Ian is calling from the uh, the Bay Area, and uh, we are old buddies from our uh, our Sacramento days, and uh, <clears throat> among other things, we both shared a passion for uh, the the Guns N' Roses, and uh, also are just uh, a couple of good buddies from similar social circles, and also uh, Ian. Uh, grew up and participated in the uh, the record store wars as well. I believe he was on the uh, in the Tower Brigade, if that's right. That's correct. I'm a Tower kid. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. We, uh, in the in the mid aughts, we we became fast friends with the love of baseball and Guns N' Roses, and then we both moved to the Bay Area, and uh, Ian's still down there somewhere doing his thing. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. So, Googling pictures of Axel and Nine Inch Nails shirts. There you go. That's that's uh, that's a, a life well lived. Uh, t- tell us about yourself. You don't have to get too specific, but what do you what do you do with your time? Uh, it's, just, it's mainly just music. I uh, I work still in music, doing just pretty much just listening to music is pretty much what I, <laughs> what I do. And and uh, yeah, it's it's fun stuff and. Guns N' Roses has been a pretty big, a pretty big part of that. So yeah, we we've known each other for about fifteen years, probably now. Is that Sounds right? about right. It, yeah, it was definitely yeah. it, it it was before Chinese Democracy came out. I know that much. 
It was during the period he was making it, but it was before he came, it came out. Probably oh four. That's a, that's, a, that's a pretty long period. <laughs> Actually, I think I think yeah, oh five or oh six, something like that. It's in there somewhere. There's, yeah, a, there's a lot of bouncing around the the midtown area. Various. Uh, if we can nail it down, we really became close during the first season and only season of Studio sixty on the Sunset Strip. So, oh, I was gonna say yeah. yeah we were you, pretty you can cool. reverse all. You can reverse engineer it all from that one show that only a few of us like. <laughs> yeah, we are pretty much where the where the demo market for that one. Yeah. So yeah, Ian's a, much like the host of this show. He's a father in his mid thirties, uh, married, uh, does his thing to to make ends meet, and that's uh, the, the enjoys a good record in the evening. Yeah, just a lover of music, man. So uh, so in regards to the Guns N' Roses, uh, where did how did it start for you? The love. Uh, MTV, man. It was all it was all MTV. I was a, a latchkey kid, so I would spend my afternoons watching TV, and and we had cable, and so Guns N' Roses was a staple on that. They play a video from them like twice an hour, probably. Yeah, and they're always on the countdown. That, yeah, during both the um, and it was similar for me. I kind of my dad was a fan. But then on top of that, at my grandparents' house, that's where MTV was, and I went to my grandparents' all the time. And during the, uh, gosh, it seems like in between Appetite for Destruction up through User Illusion, even though there was a gap there of no albums, they still would play their their videos all the time. And then uh, User Illusion had like seven singles or something, maybe ten, and they played those videos constantly. Yeah, I mean, it was, it, was, it was crazy. Those things are burned into my memory. Like, I yeah. know, like, the the edits and the plot points. Oh, yeah, and, they, uh, yeah. They, they started to have a narrative with the with the, the Don't Cry trilogy, if you will. Yeah, and, totally. uh, it was, uh, some powerful, powerful stuff. And I'll, I'll, awesome. on top of that, uh, Terminator 2, which was, that was like the R-rated movie that we all got to see uh, in our generation. Um. That video and that song were were, were a package deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The furlong on a motorcycle. That scene where he's running through the mall and he rips out the gun on the what was that? What was the video for that one? That was you. The other one I remember is when Slash throws his guitar off the side of the mountain in the, I think it's a Del Cry video.
That is the don't cry video, yes. Yeah, just I used to act that stuff out all the time. Yeah. If I recall correctly, he gets in a fight with his girlfriend, crashes the car, and then uh, yeah. at the at the wreckage he solos, and then he throws his guitar oh. into the, off the cliff. Absolutely, he he it's, jumps out of it. It's very bad. It's it's almost as badass as my ultimate slash moment is the November rain, which if you remember correctly, I I I, I made a little. Uh, I mentioned November Rain to my wedding vows. That's how much I love that yeah. song. And uh when he gets up at the at, at the wedding and kinda like looks at the looks at the his his buddies and he just goes out into the courtyard and solos there. That's uh yeah. that's that's one of a couple of solos in that song that uh that get me. Yeah. I love I love the scene where he's like what before he does that what he has the ring and he has to like tap him on the shoulder mm-hmm. or whatever and he, yep. and he shows but, it oh. to him on his bow. Yep, he showed the two on his bow. Flash so badass. Yeah, I believe that's the. the, It's the same wedding that uh, I think Ricky Rackman's actually a guest at the wedding. Oh damn! (laughs) MTV man. Yeah, and I I guess people of our age I think get it. I think uh, folks that are a little bit younger that didn't grow up with it might not appreciate it that much and. Sometimes unfairly might just lump Guns N' Roses into like like a, a butt rock type, uh, like group them with Poison or something. If you haven't actually mm-hmm. spent time with them, which is preposterous, because there's a it's reason that the, the band finally got back together for the most part and uh, is yeah. touring, making more money than God right now. You know, <laughs> they yeah. they wrote great songs and they uh, stand the test of time. Yeah, and you'll never Fair. convince me otherwise. But I, I honestly do think that they're a strictly over thirty band now. I don't think anyone under thirty probably listens to them. I think you'd have to grow up with them. I don't really think people just like discover them the same way that people still discover like the Rolling Stones or something. Even though I kind of lump them in the same category yeah, for a lot of different reasons. They, were, they, 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 their, their two biggest influences, I think, were like Rolling Stones and unfortunately Aerosmith. Uh, <laughs> What, yeah, you know, they 
one of the best bands of all time, obviously, and Aerosmith is the appalling band. Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been listening to some early early Aerosmith, and I still like Guns N' Roses version of Mama Kin like so much more. It's yeah, they have so much attitude on that song. It's crazy. They were good at covering the improving all the covers they did. Even though the oh, spaghetti yeah. incident is much more, <laughs> I still think there's plenty yeah. of good covers on there. Yeah, but yeah, I was gonna say that spaghetti incident's kind of crazy. Although that that cover of Symphony for the Devil is uh, yeah. <laughs> not the best. And, and sadly, that was like the note the band went out on. I think I think that broke up the band more than anything else. Mm, yeah, Fat, on faxes. I think faxes broke up the band pretty good. But you know. That's just what it is. But it's nice that they're it, back together. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how much you want to get into Chinese democracy yet, but <laughs> after re-listening to it, is it nice that they're back together? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, I would, uh, I would say that Chinese democracy is 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 kind of a. a a foot a footnote to them getting back together. I mean, yeah. they play some of those songs live, but if they were ever to put out another album out, it wouldn't sound like Chinese Democracy. Definitely not. It's definitely a venture. But you're, I think, when you in your intro, I think you said that they were trying to do a an industrial album. I think that's pretty. I think that's pretty right on. Yeah, or well, Axel was. <laughs> <laughs> it is like rotating musicians. I don't know how many people worked on that album, but let's see. Um, so many. I'm not. I, I'm not. I don't have the list in front of me. But in the amount of so, so Guns N' Roses breaks up for all intents and purposes, despite the fact that Axel kept the name in the late '90s. Yes. Yeah. Um, he starts recording this new album, and the first thing that you're going to get out of it was from the movie End of Days, which was oh, a, yes. which was the song Oh My God. So there's a couple of things buried in Oh My God that I enjoy. Um, mainly it's just that part of the chorus where it goes, ooh, and you open your eyes. It's very Axel. But uh, <laughs> the rest of it's kind of forgettable. Um, I'm looking at the, some of the comments on here, and some people say it's their favorite Guns N' Roses song. Which is kind why of would you ever... I think that's your favorite Guns N' Roses song. Even if that was the introduction. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's like the only one I heard. You know what I really like? I like the drums. Is that weird? No. I think for a Guns N' Roses song, it's like, it's uh, towards their later work. It's it's a good, it's good drumming in it. I could give any of those a listen to again, but high school is a weird time. You listen to what's around. But it's cool that they still have like local music scenes and it was like a local band. So. Yeah. 
Hey, if you want to put seven dust on, I'm not going to judge you. But uh, yeah. <laughs> seven dust is the prototypical jamboree band. Absolutely, that they played every single year. Yeah, totally. So yeah, that. Uh, um, oh my God! And that, friends, is also why we're doing this podcast <laughs> because Josh Reed also was a Nine Snails. So there See? you go. He was on the uh, the Nine Inch, the uh, the With Teeth album era, and this also had Robin mm-hmm. Fink from Guns N' Roses on it. Um, yeah. It's a pretty interesting. If you look at how Robin Fink joined the band, he basically responded to a, a cattle call, if you will. Um, and uh, it just they said, "Hey, you've got you've got the stuff." And for the 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 next I don't know fifteen years, he came and went with all the other guitar players. But he was on. He was you know he was he, when Chinese Democracy started. Robin Fink was helping out. And then when they finally toured a little bit with like that Rock and Rio shit, and then again in like 2009, and then uh, some of those shows that never made it to Sacramento, he was on those. So uh, he seems he seems to have a uh, a good feeling about it. Um, you know the, the chaos of making the thing. He didn't leave a, a bad taste in his mouth. He 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 says he appreciates his time working on those uh, on the record. Um, also on this track, oh my God, is Dave Navarro. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> God, that's so weird, man. This is a very bizarre track. Yeah. Um, and also, it's for a very forgettable guns or uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Have you Have you ever seen End of Days? No, I haven't. But by the cover of or the movie poster, I'm sure I, I wouldn't like it. Yeah, it was. It was. Just, it was after you know. We all know that Arnold was a god to us as kids, but then. So somewhere like after True Lies, he started making some uh, some pretty bad stuff, and uh, like there was this, there was a Eraser was another one. This not good. So yeah. then, uh, so yeah, so as we all know, Axel's working on this record for like 15 years. Uh, it started. It, it, the story of the album became more important, if you will, than than the actual album itself. The mystique to it. And people thought they were never going to see it. I'd say that mm-hmm. other records that that share this kind of uh, this this are they ever going to come out? Was a uh, let's let's see, Smile. I think Smile kind of was the same way. And uh, the Beach Boy Smile. Yeah, I was just listening to that. Essentially, yeah. uh, Brian Wilson put it out as himself, I think, and he called it Smile in the in the, the mid aughts. And, uh, yeah, but some of the songs were on. Some of the songs from that were on Smiley Smile, right? Yes, they were. Yeah, which which was the Beach Boys album, and they came out a different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they got re-recorded in a different manner for Brian Wilson's album, and I'd say that some of the same. Uh, Axl Rose is never <laughs> Brian Wilson. I'm gonna chop down my vegetables. I love you most of all. My favorite vegetable If you brought a big brown bag of them home I'd jump up and down and hope But they, they shared some of the same traits. And Axel definitely was the kind of guy that at his height, and I think he's been humbled now, uh, the, the way he seems to interact with the, the the current iteration of the band, 
but there's definitely like years where he seemed to just be holed up in his mansion and buying, I don't know, uh, sandboxes full of spaghetti. Uh, is very that that Midwestern boy didn't know how to handle fame. I think so, uh, there's a whole. We don't need to get into that tonight. If you want to know how Axl Rose handled fame, go back and watch. Like I said, the November Rain, Don't Cry in the Strange videos, all in a row. And I think you get the whole story there. It's all there. It's all right there. But the, so, yeah, the thing about so, it, like the, the tweaking, the tweaking of the songs and like the adding, just track after track after track, and yeah, it definitely it's like uh, this, the, the the album ended up costing millions of dollars to make. And it probably was remade like ten different times. Uh, it's like uh, I guess Dr. Dre's Detox uh, was another one that was always supposed to come out, which was similar, where he 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 made a whole album, and then he just dumped mm-hmm. it because he didn't say it was good enough. And uh, eventually, that became the soundtrack for, uh, or didn't uh, around around the time of that uh, N.W.A. movie, he he finally put out what was it called? Compton? Compton? Yeah. I think it was called Compton. I believe so. But it's, it, they still, I think people are still waiting for... Yeah, they're still waiting detox, for Big Detox, but some of that stuff got repurposed for the Straight Outta Compton soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And it's, 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 it's interesting because Dr. Dre sounds old now when you listen to him rap. It's, it's kind of sad. I just need y'all to bear with me for a minute. While I talk about the pages of my job, 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 job. Yeah. listen up. Uh. I remember when I got started, my intention was to win, but a lot of shit changed since then. Some more friends became enemies in the quest to victory, but I made a vow. Never let this shit get to me, I let it pass. So I consider that part of my history, and I'm strong financially, physically, mentally, I'm on a whole nother level. And don't forget that I came from the ghetto. So a new house for my mom's that special. He gets it, he runs out of breath. So yeah, Axel tinkers around with a billion musicians. And uh the the, the list of the actual musicians on this record are Axel Rose, uh, lead lead vocals and keyboards and synthesizers, samples, Robin Fink. From Guns N' Roses. Nine Inch Nails, of course. Who works on keyboards, acoustic guitar, arrangements, editing, production, and of course, guitar, guitar. Um, somebody named Bumblefoot was one of the guitar players. Somebody else named Buckethead, and I say somebody else, but we all know who Buckethead is. Uh, Buckethead is a, a character who's long fascinated me. He uh, he was part. Of, I got into Buckethead because of my love of Primus. Yeah, of totally. Les, yeah, Les Claypool and him. Did some work together. He's put out so many records, and everybody knows his thing is uh, he wears a mask and he wears a 
a, a KFC bucket on his head. Um, like like you do. Yes. He uh, well, a little known thing about him. Did you know he recorded an album called Colma, named after Colma, the the, the town. Really. Yeah. Uh, I haven't heard that. Uh, Colma. I the, for those that don't know, a town in the Bay Area that is famous for like I think it has more uh, cemeteries and grave sites than it does human beings. There's a, yeah, more, ton, more more dead people than alive. More dead people than alive. player Richard Fortas, uh, Tommy, Simps- Tommy Stinson on bass, uh, going back to the Primus connection again, Brain played drums, and Brain was the drummer from, uh, in Primus from the Brown album on for a while. Another guy named Frank Ferrer on drums. Uh, our old friend Dizzy Reed on keyboards. From the user illusion era of Guns N' Roses, he stuck around. That's, Somebody yeah, named Frank Pittman on keyboards as well in synthesizers. And then okay. drums again, that's, Josh Freeze from Nine Inch Nails. Drummers and four keyboardists, and uh, four or five five guitar players. There you go. And you also uh, Johann Sebastian Bach from Skid Row is on backing vocals. Oh, whoa. They couldn't Whoa. get Shannon Hoon back because Shannon Hoon was dead. So they got Sebastian Bach. Off, off the coma. The, the, listening to this album again, you can really tell there's four people playing keyboard and synthesizers and piano. Yeah, you can tell there's four people and you can tell it was like... My biggest gripe with the album, and I, I will say I actually adore this record, but I realize yeah. how bad it... I, no, I realize... I don't think it's bad. 
I realize how flawed it is. <laughs> and and one of it is you could tell it was recorded over the course of a decade because some songs sound, one half sounds like it was done during one era and then the next half sounds like a completely different band. Yeah. There are some hard stops. <laughs> uh, one of which I'll totally call out as we go track by track. And we will start that now. So in 2008, after a whole lot of hiding out in the Hollywood Hills, recording this thing with uh, every musician that walked by his his uh, mansion gates, uh, the record comes out. Um, do you remember where you were when it came out? Uh, yeah, I was working. I, I was working at Virgin at that time. I and so I was, you were I was, there. I was, yeah, when I was in college in San Francisco, yeah, I worked at the downtown location. I remember when it came out, and I was pretty sorry. I can't believe it was 10 years ago now. Yeah, it's, it's something. In November, it's going to be 10 years. You should release this on the 10th. I think I'm, <laughs> year I think I'm going to. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. I think I'm, I think I'm going to. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. That's so sweet. Yeah, I can't believe it's been 10 years since this came out, but I totally remember because I really wanted to hear it. And I think I wasn't, I, I don't, because I, think about like 2008, like how you listen to music is so like different than how you listen to music now. So I can't remember if I downloaded it. I definitely didn't have a physical copy, but I definitely didn't stream it either. I'm pretty yeah. sure I illegally got it somehow. Uh, yeah. I, I well, just maybe I bought it on iTunes. Not. I might have bought it on iTunes. I think I did, but I know I didn't buy it physically either. Yeah, were you buying a lot of music at that time? I definitely didn't get a promo. I know that much. There was a weird um, in between my when in between when I stopped buying physical music and when I started trying to figure out how to get it digitally all the time. There was definitely a, a phase where I just downloaded things however I could get them by hook or by crook. But I don't yeah. think it was torrents. I don't remember what it was. And this is yeah. before, like, iTunes didn't make it extremely easy to download stuff right out of the bat. Eventually they did, and you could easily buy songs, like albums that way, for like eight ninety nine. Um, yeah. So I, I'm not exactly sure how I got this one. But uh, eventually I did, and it definitely wasn't streaming. Um, but I remember, yeah, I was working, I was working at, at, at ARC doing the, the, the cloud management or, uh, uh, early version of that. And that was that, that location that was over there by, uh, the REI off Bryant street. Oh, I very yeah. specifically remember sitting at my desk and listening to it and being like, well, this is a record of some sort. <laughs> I did not know what I was listening to. <laughs> It was, uh, yeah, it was, it was something. Um, do, do you remember how you listened to it? it was like, a, was it on your iPod? Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was. It was in, plugged into some shitty earphones. Um, oh, I remember I that. I, went home and listened to it a few more times on some loudspeakers, and I think it took me a while to absorb it. Um, yeah. But much like you know, some kind of Stockholm syndrome. Eventually, I was like, nope, this, this is a. I'm not going to tell everybody this is a, a great album. But this album, for me, it works. Um, yeah, totally. You know, I'm not going to put it on before I put Use Your Illusion 2 on, but I will still enjoy it. I remember yeah. uh, one thing I really... The, the the one guy that really went to bat for this album, and it totally makes sense because it's kind of his thing, was uh, you can still find this review online 
is it kind of and it sums up my feelings in the album. I think too is uh, Chuck Klosterman wrote a really good review of it, and um, totally. and he just basically said he's like I the the fact this exists is amazing, and the audacity of it is amazing. And if you're willing to have some patience, there's some great stuff in here. And there's also Axl Rose doing vampire vocals. So you know, <laughs> that's why I wrote that down a couple times today. I didn't <laughs> yeah. know if it was I didn't know if it was like a remembrance of what he says, but it's he he totally fucking nails that. You he know, tries I mean, to sound like, like, no, there's some songs where he tries to sound like Dracula. <laughs> yeah. Totally. It, and sometimes it's just for a verse. <laughs> just a, yeah. Some really interesting choices. Um, it's kind of, looking back at like what I listened to back then, like in 2008, and, like what else came out, like at, when I was working at Virgin, like it totally doesn't fit anything else I listened to, but I still enjoyed it as much. You know? Oh yeah, well, yeah. This is definitely as our tastes evolve and we get older, and I think in in people's mid twenties is when they're going to be the most like, oh, I only listen to this kind of thing, you know. Where you know it definitely didn't fit into whatever I like. Two thousand eight, I imagine that I was probably listening to a lot of weird uh, Apex Twin type stuff. <laughs> a lot of um, bands like Mastodon. Which is good, but bands that are like Mastodon, like that genre of metal I was totally into at the time. Um, that's just off the, the those two seem like like yeah, then Guns N' Roses is ni- neither of those. <laughs> yeah. I was getting more into like electronic music for sure. I mean I remember Girl Talk. Came out with that album oh, yeah. that year, and out, yeah. it was like it was huge. And then M83 had an album that year, right? I'm trying oh, to shit. remember. I didn't say I was probably really into that. Was back when um before Kanye went off the deep end. Um, yeah, that was back. Isn't that back right around my Dark Twisted Fantasy came out? Like no, maybe eight oh eight Heartbreak came out in two thousand eight, I believe. Oh, I, but, I like that one too. Yeah. Yeah, it was like when he was transitioning, like he left all the college stuff behind and he was like going up to that next that next step, you'd say. Yeah. Um, so 2008 it, it was had a lot, a lot of good music. It was definitely an interesting time for, uh, yeah. at the time, a very overweight, uh, red, cornrow-haired old rocker <laughs> to finally put his album out that sounded 10 years behind the industrial curve. <laughs> so, he was like... I'm still here, god damn it. Yeah, totally. It was weird, man. But it's we know still, Axel. You know, yeah. You never left, man. But it was it was weird. But when I first listened to it, I didn't get the, like, sense. Like, I didn't. it didn't take me back, you know, because it's so different. But 
not the same way that like seeing them in concert like ten years later did or like yeah. I don't know. We'll do years, that. So we're gonna we're gonna jump on the album in a second. But this is a uh, again we both went to that show at the uh, AT and T Park. And yeah, totally. It it I I was by that point I already heard good things about the tour, but I have to say that my expectations were high and they still managed to meet them or exceed them. Um, uh, yeah, I'd definitely say exceed for sure. Yeah, I just, I, yeah. like, he seemed to be in a good enough shape to where he, 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 he didn't seem like he was 25 again, but he was good, he was good. Um, and he wasn't, he wasn't, like, on the chair because his foot was healed by that No, point. exactly, he was moving around. And, uh, you know, Slash and Duff look like they were having fun. Slash is great. Slash is always great. Slash yeah, is dude, just, that guy. Slash is like the, everybody's favorite uncle of rock and roll. Like you, you never. Slash is great. Um, yeah. The new members they supplemented the band with. They seemed they were fine. But yeah. uh, all the old hits sounded good. Um, the three songs off this album they chose to do were performed well. I think the yeah. Slash seemed to get into them enough to where uh, it, it, it worked out. I think. God, I want to say. Art. It was better. Shackler's Revenge and this I love maybe. They played Chinese Democracy. Okay. Then it was Chinese Democracy, Shackler's Revenge, and This I Love. I think so. No, I think they played better, too. Did they it was play Chinese, four or It was three? only three, though. So it was Chinese Democracy, Better, and This I Love. Okay. And it wasn't that Shackler's Revenge. Yeah. yeah I know funny. they played I'm better, but it was, it was... That's a great song, and they did it yeah. really well. I'm surprised they didn't play IRS. Are you? <laughs> yes. They did not they play IRS. Yeah, sorry. That's the ultimate. Gonna, we'll uh, get to it. We've discussed this before. Yeah. That's that's like the Axl Rose uh, mission statement. <laughs> All right. So Chinese democracy. Uh, let's let's take a minute and listen to that title track. Chinese Democracy. Uh, title track is the opening track. And it definitely... Like, they knew what they were doing by putting this here. Um, like, the way this song starts with the... Uh, it's got, it's got like, all these, like, sirens in the distance. And uh, it sounds like people muttering things. And then all of a sudden there's that, you know, down, out, down, 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 out. Like, all right. Down, out. Down, 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 Okay, I get it. It was getting a nice little riff. And uh, you hear Axel wailing in the background. And then it just kicks into the verse. And it's, you know, it's Axel doing his, uh, like, slick talk voice where he's like, 
sound to sound out. Something out of somebody else. And uh, he does that for a second. But then all of a sudden, like, they start doing, like, the Atari guitar work behind it. And they're like, oh, no, there's too many, there's too many things happening at once. Uh, it very quickly becomes a very busy song. And you're like, oh, well, welcome to Chinese democracy. There's going to be a lot of shit in your ears all the time. That was your turn to tell me how you feel about the title track. Because he just realized that the for this uh, uh, recording, that we, we've been listening to the album a couple of times the last few weeks, and uh, apparently he had his album out of order. Um, which actually is fitting for this album, because one of my major gripes with it is the sequencing makes no sense. Uh, yeah. it, like when you listen to this album in order, it does sound like it's on shuffle, <laughs> because uh, just like some like you know any of us we're both we've both made mixed CDs for people, and we know that you, know, you have a, like a sense of rising action, and then things subside in the next track. Now this one, like you might get done with a ballad. And then all of a sudden you're getting jackhammered with some synthesizer and, and Buckethead starting the next track. Um, so anyways, back to the point, though. For Chinese Democracy, the opening track, the title track, Yeah. Um, how do you feel? That's great. It's, I was, I, when I listened to this in my weird, messed-up sequencing, I was like, why don't they have Chinese Democracy open the album? And it does. And it's, 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 it's the most GNR-like song on this album, for sure. I don't think there's another song that kind of compares to it. And after being gone for that long, that's a good way to start. I yeah, thought definitely I a, a, a we're back or an act. Yeah. We're back. Yeah. And the guitar, I think the guitars are the, it's, I wrote just good song. I think it's a good song. And I think the guitars on it's pretty good. I guess you could cut like the first, I'm going to get in the weeds, I guess, because I like music so much, but I guess you could cut that whole like weird part leading up to it, but I kind of like it too, especially like, where have you been? Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I, yeah, it's definitely it's bizarre that the the opening it, it, something about that opening makes me feel like uh, I, I don't know, like you're in a foreign land and uh, like Interpol is trying to figure out where you're at or something. I don't know. And then yeah, and then having the guitar the guitar cut in cut through it, it's pretty good. The guitar followed by Axel's wailing. Axel, there's more like. Fade ins of Axel Wailing on this record than any other Guns N' Roses album. Of just him squelching. And it's noticeable. <laughs> yes, yes. It's also noticeable yeah. that there's probably some auto tune work. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's solid. Probably the most solid song, or one of them. So it actually it goes into a very solid song. Um, track two Shackler's Revenge which I consider to be a tour de force. And uh, we, will, we will listen to a little bit of it right now. So Shackler's Revenge, uh, it's, it starts out with that uh, 
like again back to the stuff that's coming out of nowhere on this, this album. It just has that down, 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 down. It sounds like corn guitars. Followed. By, <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. It sounds like corn guitars. It's and, chugging. And I, I think sometimes he was like trying to like anything he might have heard in the last ten years, pepper it this album with. Um, mm-hmm. Bridging the gap, even though it's still like ten years too late now. Exactly. But it goes uh, to one of my favorite things, which is that, uh, you know. The, the, the verses are that I've got a funny feeling, and it's it's some of that. Axel Axel doesn't get enough credit, I believe. For we all know he can he can hit some high octaves, but he like plays characters sometimes. He has like deep like scuzzy guy voice, and then there's like emotional like romantic Axel, and and it, it, in this song it, it has like the it has that. That deep, like the deep axle voice. I don't know how else to put mm-hmm. it. And then it's the first part of the verse, but layered behind it, then you get some of the I've got a funny feeling. <laughs> Another axle behind it. It's like a different type of axle, and uh, I love it. Um, it's theatrical. Yeah, he's theatrical. Well, this song's all about. This is kind of a, a tough one. This song's all about a. At this time, it's about a school shooting, I think. Uh, oh, Jesus. Yeah, if you read through it, it's kind of, I think it's about somebody trying to get revenge on people. Um, obviously not encouraging it. Like, you know, uh, you know, the chorus is like, you know, uh, don't ever try to tell me somebody will be there for me. Something along that nature. Um, but it's a, uh, it's a great song. For all of these reasons, but the main reason it's a great song in my mind is it it, it really like it, it definitely shows you bucket heads on this record when you get to the last like two minutes because yeah. he just starts doing some cr- crazy broken Atari type shit on this album. It reminds me of remember Botch. Of course you do. Uh, The guy is also in minus the bear. It it, it works most times. This time it works. I think in so far too, like the one-two punch of these two songs, it's still pretty cohesive. Like you don't know what's coming, <laughs> but you know, I think these two work pretty good together too. They still have a, like an idea. There's still like a theory. No, and I, I really think the uh, that that chorus is actually really catchy. The the da 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 
still believe in. I think that part is pretty anthemic. There's a couple parts in this record that are very anthemic uh, in that nature. Yeah, totally. But, uh, I have more. Yeah, if you're looking for a highlight from this track, it's definitely the the Buckethead guitar solo around uh, like two minutes and 40 seconds in. He really goes for it, and he just takes it to the end of the song. Yeah. Any other thoughts on Shackler's Revenge? No. <laughs> All right. It's not my favorite, but I like the way it starts. This is the first two pretty good. Well, I think a song that is better than it is track three, known as Better. I'd agree. Yeah. yeah, I like better. I like better a lot actually. All right, let's 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 hear a little better. better here's the track that has a it just has a pacing to it that i that i like like the uh the 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 chorus the, the chorus with yeah. the guitar is just kind of like a, a good head nodding song if that makes any sense yeah totally man like a walk yeah walking song it's so okay, actual centric walk, walk your dog with better on yeah <laughs> told, yeah just i don't know it's kind of positive. Like it's, it's kind of like a positivity to it. Yeah, no. It's, it's weird. It's like a it's like a Sunday morning taking your dog for a walk song. Yeah, like you can your shoulders are just like popping up and down. It's weird, but it's it's so axle centric. Yeah. He he, I I swear he must have like sang it first. Like he's like the guitar needs to go like this, and he's just like singing like you know singing his little axle voice. I, I don't know. I imagine that they base a lot of where these songs on this this album, where they go, based off. I mean, that might be why it did, the, the whole thing took forever. Like he would be like, "No, it's supposed to go na na da da na da da," and like three weeks straight, he poor Robin Fink had to try to mimic what he was doing. Yeah, he's like, oh, "Hold on, you gotta slow down." <laughs> so it's 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 it seems like there's a lot he wanted to just like throw out there with his like. His like vocal, his vocal rhythms is all I can say. It's it's cool though. I like. I don't know. I just get a smile on my face. There's that part towards the end of this track where uh, I think it. I don't know who actually might be him and you know uh, Skid Row. The the na 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 na. You know the the na na na's in this one. You know what I'm talking about. 
there's a there's a lot I get the non nas confused. Like there's like I think there's a couple songs for this, like non nas yeah, no, There's some good non nas on this one. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And they come right after the whole don't 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 the that that whole then he you know, he's like he's yelling at somebody. And right after he gets done yelling at somebody, uh Buckethead does robot stuff or Robin Fink. And then they do the na na na's. But yeah. overall, the song sounds like a positive, positive vibe song. It totally is, man. It's weird for Guns N' Roses, but it works. Yeah, it's indulgent. Oh, yeah, it's indulgent. I think, I think some of the themes of this album are when you get rid of all the paranoia. That I think already, even when this, the fact that he's able to put this album out made him feel like he was like, I accomplished this. That's a good thing. Yeah. So this this is one of those tracks. So better yeah, gets, better gets uh, high marks. And in this new track listing I'm listening to now, like the proper track listing, I don't have a problem with it. One, two, three, I think it's all it all flows right now. You know, I think they flow well. So those three do kind of flow well, but you know they don't keep that up. <laughs> I mean, oh, I know. There's <laughs> there's not. Oh man, uh, very soon. Within, there's going to be a song that has hip-hop beats that are right out of the 2002. So, not yet. Before we get to If the World, we're going to listen to Street of Dreams right now. And this is Street, or no, that was Street of Dreams. And I have to say that this this might be, uh, Better was great. Better was a great song. But I think Street mm-hmm. of Dreams might be like the album at its peak, almost. Uh, it's a great song. Uh, and it starts with classic Use Your Illusion era pianos, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think when you say like peak, you're talking more about like, this is the like he wanted it like this like <laughs> like yeah, this is this is Axel's idealized version of Guns N' Roses this song absolutely man it's like it, it, it just it like emanates off it there's he he goes he might hit that gas a little too hard sometimes in this song but it's it's a really really good song well it start you know it starts with the Elton John type um, piano and we all know that Axel loved Elton uh, they did a duet together once I believe. Um, and, was that at the um, 
Oh, Grammys? Was it, was it the Grammys or something like that? Was that the... No, wasn't that the tribute to Freddie Mercury? Oh, yeah, I remember that. That was fucking awesome. You remember? Yeah, that was that was an event, that tribute to Freddie Mercury. Yeah, I, I, did you watch it live or when they showed it on TV? I yeah, watched it, I remember I watched watching it live. Much. You know, now, now that I'm thinking back, I did mention it. Whoa! Hold on. Hey! Mm-hmm. Shut up! Dog. Um, yeah. They bark. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I remember that. Did watch a lot of MTV at the grandparents' house, but I forgot that when my parents got divorced in '89, my dad moved to his uh, his sad bachelor like Mill Millhouse Van Houten's dad apartment. And, uh, oh no! Yeah. The only thing that he had going on for him whenever we had, to go over, he had he had cable, and uh, I remember uh, very specifically watching that 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 tribute concert at his uh, sad yeah. apartment.
So like when you first listen to it, do you think you're like, oh man, they did it? Yeah. You do say like, oh my God, good gracious. They pulled it off. Yeah. And then you yeah. go to the next song. <laughs> yeah. So like at the end, at the end of the song, when the piano kicks back in, you're like, oh man, like how did he do, like how did he still sustain this? Like he's still writing Guns N' Roses songs. Yeah. Oh man, Axel, where have you been? I can't believe you pulled it off. Well, let's yeah. listen to the next track. <laughs> Here we go. We're going to listen to it now. Riding high off the streets of dreams, and we crash right off the streets of dreams into this very bizarre song called "If the World." And I'm all for experimentation, but I just this if if Chinese democracy at its best is either a better or a street of dreams, where you could tell that there you know there's a lot of different uh, opinions and types of musicians in the studios, but they managed to make it work. This is it at its worst, where it just is the stupidest. Like, this sounds like a rough draft that somebody didn't review. Um, yeah, it just stalls out. It just stalls. It never. Like, it's more of an idea than a song, and the idea is terrible. The idea for this song is, well, what if we took one of those flamenco CDs that Steve's mom listens to, <laughs> and what if we took a hip hop album from 2001 or two? And try yeah. to take those beats with the flamenco guitar and put them together. Yeah. It's odd. And it's five minutes. It's an odd five-minute song. Yeah, and and on top of that, I think they kind of go for... If, if those two weird things aren't, aren't gelling together enough for you, they also, like, the string section in this song almost sounds like it wants to be, like, espionage James Bond. And when you take all that three stuff together and you got Axel wailing about God knows what, if if the world's something today, it's a mm-hmm. very, very bizarre misstep. Yeah. If you would have left the track off the album, I wouldn't have noticed. I know I, I, it's, it's glaringly ridiculous. So if it wasn't here, it would probably be better if Streets of Dreams went right into There Was a Time. Yeah, I, I think with this one, like... Maybe like he didn't want an album with thirteen tracks, and he had to put a fourteen track on there. He's like, I can't do it. Thirteen is a bad number. It's unlucky. I need another track, and they just were like, okay, let's just play for five minutes. It's it's weird. I don't hate it, but it's just so it's so. Well, I hate it's to tell so, you this, but this, that 
If they would have left it off, though, it would have been no. Yeah, one, two, it totally three, takes away from it. Yeah. Nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. There are fourteen tracks. You're right. They had to add it. <laughs> That's not she was like, and he just kind of like buried it. Like she's like, oh, just bury it towards the end of the first half, maybe. Like it's 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 a it's a weird out of place song. Except I mean, his vocals are on his vocals. It's I mean, it's like it's very axle vocally. It's like the vocal hold. He holds a lot of notes in the song. Yeah, and just like draws them out. We gotta stop drawing them out. And the drums. Yeah, the drums just ruined Like, there's some good guitar yeah. work. I'd actually say that the guitar yeah. work throughout this album, both weird buckethead versions and weird fake slash versions, um, it's all good. It's good. The guitar work is yeah. all good. This song does yeah. have some cool guitar work. If you were to just listen to that flamenco stuff by itself in a void, it would be better. If you were to mm-hmm. just listen to the solos towards the end of this this track without the dumbass hip-hop beats behind it, you'd be <laughs> And by the way, for the record, uh, Ian and I both, in fact, and we love rap music. But <laughs> we don't need these beats in this song. It's uh, yeah. I wouldn't even call them. I wouldn't. I'd call them like not rap beats or like this kind of break beat. Maybe like the drumming is so. I mean, with rock music, like it's it, it's it's all driven by the drums. You know, they it's like that's what makes rock music for me a lot of times. And this is just it's it's weird for a band like this to have a drumming like this. I'd like to. Dissect the drums. I wish this was on Sound Exploder, Sound Exploder, because I would really oh, like to hear the Isolated <laughs> tracks on just this one. There needs to be a bad, a bad song. Yeah, Exploder. Song <laughs> explainer. Like explain yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking just like of, what went wrong. Speaking of which, did you listen to the uh, the Nine Snails one of Sound Exploder? I haven't. I'm saving it. I haven't listened to that one yet at all. Pretty good one. I've been. I've been listening to it. I listened to the BoJack Horse one. I'm on a big BoJack Horse kick, horseman kick, so that one's really good. I'm just slowly going through them, you know, when they pop up. That's the great thing about that podcast. You don't have to listen at any point, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to listen to that Nine Inch Nose one. Was that early on? Nah, about midway through the lifespan, I think. You can you can just cut all this out. All right, that's if the world... We've already we've spent more time on it than it even deserves. Um, you can just cut that whole one out, though. If the world should be cut out too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So that's definitely the low part, low point so far. Now there was a time is uh, a, a a good course correction. So uh, now's the time for there was a time.
Oh my goodness! What a uh, yeah. What a what a what a way to get things back on track, Axel. Um, there was a time I just right now listening to a clip of it was reminded how much I like this song. Uh, everything on this song works, even the stuff that shouldn't work. Which uh, Ian, what were you saying? You you got a vibe of from the start of this song? It's like the the music box in it. Like there's like there's like little there's like whole tracks that are devoted to like weird sounds and like music boxes. And it's like when I first like listened to it because I was listening to this as the first song in my track listening. Um, it's it sounds like it's gonna be like an ICP record. There's like so elements of like carnival or fun. <laughs> the music box does sound like ICP, which is fitting. Yeah. Considering uh, after Slash left Guns N' Roses, among the many 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 things he did, he was on the Great Malenko album with the ICP. ICP. There you go. The song is all different side. All the illusions. A slash. <laughs> a slash. He, he he's never turned down a job. Yeah, I remember him playing with Michael Jackson. Yeah, so there's the, a bit uh, more prestige to playing with the King of Pop than there is ICP. But you uh, hold your tongue. <laughs> <laughs> you hold your tongue. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is the song's great. It starts out with that music box, which is kind of bizarre. But it also bizarre, has, but it, it works, man. It works, and it also has like this weird like chorus of uh, like a uh, orchestral chorus, the uh, chanting with it. And yeah. it, uh, I love the way the vocals, the broken glass cigarette, da 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 da, like the cadence yeah. to the verse, I really like. His cadence in the song is like, yeah, I get a lot of the strange vibes in like certain parts of this song. And that's my, I think it's strange. It's like my favorite Guns N' Roses song to this day. And uh, it just, it just, I instantly feel a connection to this song, probably because of this cadence. Yeah, no, I would say sometimes Mark and I say that different songs by bands that seem related to each other might be cousins of each other. And this yeah. definitely seems like it could be a cousin of Estranged. Like there's definitely, they're from the same bloodline. Totally. And it like goes in and out in certain parts, the way it's structured, yeah. I, I don't, even, it's not, it is six minutes and 40 seconds, so it does. it is a long mm-hmm. one. It's actually yeah. the longest uh, track on the album, and Whoa. it has multiple guitar solos, much like Estranged. It has a string mm-hmm. section, and, uh, you know, the, there was a time. It's some of that melancholy. Some of the, some of the, some of the, uh, the content seems to be about, like, reflection to other days and, you know, the state, the the state Axel's brain is now compared to the old days, kind of stuff. Yeah, so it's all it's all wrapped up together. Yeah, it's solid. But there's there's man. So midway through the song, there's a part where everything kind of drops out, and it sounds like Slash is playing guitar. And I I feel disrespectful by I keep saying that, but you know 
there are times where Robin Fink or Bumblefoot or Buckethead or whoever else, you know they were trying to sound like Slash sometimes. You have to be. His stamp on the was so big, you know that they were consciously doing that at times. They'll never yeah. admit it. But there's a, there's a guitar solo in the middle of the song that just gets me like some of his best guitar solos. And yeah, absolutely agree. He starts, somebody starts really shredding there. Really tearing it up, and and it leads into Axel hitting some notes in some whales that are just he hits them and it's great. Like you don't mm-hmm. wish he would have taken a breath. He manages to pull it off. Like a, 
You know that that there there was a time and that that's great. But there's that part where he goes, he's he's saying something along the lines of like uh, something like he's talking about doing something for someone, something along like yeah. you know. I I would do everything for you. That's what he's saying. Yeah. And he starts and really he, going, I would do everything for you. And he starts like really taking those yous to a new level. It's uh, yeah. And he, he like holds them out too. Like that's, I think that's where the exchange vibe comes in too. Like the, yeah. the, the, the interplay between the guitar and the, the singing and they just go back and forth a little yeah. bit. Not like they're call and response, but like it just kind of goes into it. Like there's like one, they're on the same like, different ends of like a wave and it's it's, it's the cool man it's, in the last two yeah. minutes of the song of the vocals and the guitar are on the same level and they're like yeah, totally. each other. it's uh there was a time if you listen to one song off this album i think that would be the one i would listen to not irs huh <laughs> we're gonna get there I'm, right, a, so. I'm, a fan, I'm a fan of that song but yeah this one this one's solid and it comes right in the middle and i mean it could it also could have it's worthy of opening the the album I well, think funny, that's why it, and also worthy of closing because we'll get to it later but the closing track yeah. makes no sense to me jammed it in there but it's mm-hmm. coming so another yeah. great track is coming up next uh, there was a time tip our hat good job uh, mm-hmm. there was a time goes in the Guns N' Roses pantheon if you got to make a 74 minute mix album for somebody I think you should make time for it. Mm-hmm. That would be tough Agreed. to make one mix CD of Guns N' Roses last on one CD because all the majority oh. of their best songs are five plus minutes. Yeah. How many? How many? How, what's the time? What's the time? Like an hour? Seventy-four minutes. Like CDs used to have seventy-four minutes. That's all you get. I'm, so on, you put, I'm old. I'm tape. Well, I'm then a you tape get 60, man. Sixty or one twenty. Yeah. I guess. Or ninety. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, <laughs> if just the use your illusion ballads alone take up fucking a half yeah. hour. <laughs> yeah, and you need both "Don't Cries" on there. Don't tell me otherwise. So no, they, they're they're uh, they're they absolutely complement each other. And if anyone is keeping score, "Don't Cry" the second version is better than the original version. The one on the one they don't have use your illusion two. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I agree. I think it's superior. Though I think that video is like one of my favorites. Axel walking. I think about this like quite frequently. There's a couple scenes in that video I think about, but Axel walking into his therapy session and pointing at himself and then him coming out of the mirror is probably one of my, one of my favorite visual images. A lot of my favorite visual images. Yeah. It's he just like kicked down the door, points at himself, like in a therapy session or like at a hospital bench. And then another one comes walking out of the mirror. So insane. Guns N' Roses are the height of their powers with the most fucking coolest band in the world. Like somewhat surreal. Yeah. They were, yeah, they they were, they were, those guys were all barely of drinking age and they made way too much money. didn't know what to do. So they started making epic videos of, that on some level we're trying to like answer some of life's great questions. <laughs> yeah, hard to match them. It's hard to match. Yeah, we could we could easily. I think if we were to do another one of these, and who knows, no one's going to stop us. Much like I think we should. I think we should. I think I think a Guns N' Roses podcast is 
it, it should happen. I love it so much. You could do just if someone really wanted to sit down and do the work, you can make a really compelling stories of Guns N' Roses podcast. There's anecdotes to where you could do like oral histories of so many incidents and creations of songs. There is, there is a, there is weeks and weeks of content about him just jumping into the crowd. (laughs) (laughs) There's weeks and weeks of content about him jumping into the ocean in the the strange. Another one of, yeah, <laughs> another thing I used to imitate, and another thing that like sticks in my mind. I think about it quite frequently of him just jumping off an air, an airliner, like a big freight uh, ships into the ocean with his shoes, those white high top shoes. And we're gonna, we're shit. This might as well be called the Estranged Podcast. Um, it should be at this point. Is Slash floating down the Sunset Strip soloing? It's the greatest thing in the world. got to see them live at that show when he played that solo i was so happy he didn't uh, or yeah or anything. i was just happy to see it but, uh, i was thinking that i was hoping they'd play it and they played it so early on but it was such a it was, it was a defining like live experience to see that song played live because i love that song so much that song also has the end of it where it's axel sitting next to a dolphin in a flannel shirt <laughs> yeah <laughs> Which is like that's another one of my favorite images of just Axel sitting next to a dolphin in a flannel shirt. You know, everybody that is probably going to listen to this has seen it. I'm definitely going to embed that video in the liner in the uh, the show notes. It better, yeah. And the the photo of of I, I think the photo of Axel sitting next to the dolphin will be what pops up when you find it in iTunes. But you also have to have the nine inch nail shirt. Oh, that's right. No, no, I need to do that. I need to. Uh, to, to at least justify the existence right off the bat. Oh, there's no justifying this, Steve. This is, <laughs> this is, this is a purely vain uh, experience, but I like it. Which reflects the topic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, all right. So, Catcher in the Rye is next. Um, pausing now.
All right, a couple things. One, mm-hmm. that's a great song. I've, at yeah. first, I, it starts off shaky, but it gets to where it needs to be. A couple, couple of uh, points of interest from the last track. Um, I'm looking at, Ian and I have been trying to do this for like three months now. It might have been three months. It's at least been two. Um, it's been two, so I'm for sure. Notes that are at least uh, 45 days old. Uh, <laughs> I think I wanted to make sure that I point out is that on the last track, there is a uh, on there was a time. It's another song where Axel brings up like litigation and and just uh, like the bureaucracy of trying to exist, where he thinks about all the doctors and all the lawyers, and that again ties it to estranged. So. Mm. Um, yeah. I love I love lyrics. Like I love them. That's like one of the things. Most people don't listen to lyrics. Guns N' Roses has never been a band that I listen to the lyrics on. And that, that's weird, right? Well, sometimes sometimes it's self-preservation, so you don't like... <laughs> let's, let's say the stuff that seems to be acceptable in 1986 definitely might not be right now. Looking at you, uh, live EP. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so when you say he's talking about doctors and lawyers, is, I'm, I'm going I'm to take your word on it, because I, I, I did not know Oh, he that. does, yeah. He definitely does. And yeah, which is which is a shame. Like I, I will never not listen to the song. I probably yeah. will only sing it to myself in my car, if that. But it's a shame that one in a million's lyrics are just absolutely like I get. Like he says, Mm-mm. you know, he says he's trying to a point. He's singing from a point of view. Okay, that's he, fine. He, t- he took a, he took a Randy Newman response on that. Yeah. After after the fact, but I don't think when he when it came out, I don't remember him doing that. He just no. was like unapologetic. Oh no! It's like a yeah. So that's like a that's an after fact thing, and I love I love GNR Lives. That that album is solid. That has the Mama Kin yeah. cover on it. That's great. No, and it, 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 it's a but I can't listen to one in a million. I think that yeah, I can't listen. To that. I'll listen to it. It's a good song, but I won't listen to it around anyone. <laughs> and if you want to look up the lyrics, you can, folks. It's uh, they're pretty rough. Don't. Uh, yeah, don't, don't. But you know, if, unfortunately, it wouldn't be the the first time. Uh, let me put it this way: on this on this podcast, we've been we've been. It's been a retrospective, obviously, and not nine inch mm-hmm. nails. But some soundtracks they've been on with other artists. It is amazing when you really start looking for it. How many times people are tossing around words? I'll just leave it at words. They really shouldn't be in the history of rock and roll. Um, yeah. Anyways. Yeah, it's like a provocative thing. Like they're trying. Like I think a lot of people are trying to be provocative in certain aspects of words. But it's so. It's just lazy way to be provocative. And the thing about the thing about being provocative is over time, 
people can catch up and see through it. Yep, there, there you go. And and that's that's all it comes down to. It's like people people get to a mind space where like the the overall consensus or the majority of the people can end up seeing through the the BS or like the the oppression or the just like the provocativeness and and it ends up it ends up you know diminishing whoever did it and I think uh, and 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 that song does and I don't know what soundtracks you're referring to but. I'm oh, sure in that yeah, sense I, it does, in that too. Killer soundtrack, there's a Patti Smith on, oh. song on there. Um, yeah. Rock and roll uh, slur. <laughs> is, uh, is that, that's what <sighs> And then uh, yeah. on Antichrist Superstar with Marilyn Manson, actually, um, oh. at least one, I think one song. And he also covered that same song with Patti Smith. And yeah. There's some other ones. But anyhow, mm. moving yeah. right along. I'm not going to ever ascribe anything like I can't say anything disparaging about Patty Smith, so I won't. No, I'm not, no, I'm not saying that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know that instance. I want to listen to that song. What song are you referring to? It's uh, always yeah. It's always rough. Anyhow, uh, Catcher in the Rye. That's what we're talking about, right? Are we? Yeah, I'm surprised this wasn't a single. It should be. It's a great song. Yeah. Um, it's not a single. Madagascar, a single. <laughs> what that's his, speaking of one in a million, that's his like apology song to one in a million. <laughs> I think that's a little bit. And down the Save that thought. All right, Madag, what do you got to say about Catcher in the Rye? The, so when you were talking about na-na-na's earlier, this song is full of na-na-na's. It is. So much for so much so it reminds me of the theme song that Carissa explains it all. Do you remember that? The na na this one or na 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 Yeah, they do sound like that. It's right, right? That's like when I was the, listening the to it, I was like, and this song sound like a band from another planet. The, that section yeah. does not sound like Guns N' Roses at all. I don't, I don't know how it was added. Like, I don't know, like what got. I think he was, he was obviously in a bad place, and he was up late at night watching reruns of Nick shows. <laughs> something got stuck in his head or an issue and he had to add it in and that's just how it goes I, it's so out of place but the song is so good it's very believable it's so, it's, he, was up, it's, he was up late at night watching Nickelodeon <laughs> I would be if that didn't happen I would be shocked yeah if this 
if someone brings that lawsuit up, there's definitely royalties to be paid to that because it totally like took me back to being a kid as soon as I heard it. But it's it's a solid song. That's some of Axel's good vocal work too. Like he 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 carries the song in in the vocal work. Oh, there, there, there's some and great stuff in the song. Like, uh, there's a part where it's just it, it's another part where this album sounds like it's trying to do too much at once, but it works in this case. Yeah. About two minutes in, it's just pianos, and then it kind of it kind of fades into these like synths that are sound almost like uh, something out of like a John Carpenter movie or something. And then, totally, well, well, yeah, totally. Nah, nah, nahs. It's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, like, there's so much piano on this album. It's like when this album works, it sounds like somebody. When this album works, it's like you were you're in a lab, and you spilt all these fucking beakers, and instead of uh, you know Gremlins two, you become Spider Man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's, that's when it works. <laughs> when it doesn't work, it becomes Gremlins two, and it's that. Uh, the gremlin made out of vegetables. It's, uh, that John Car- that John Carpenter note is so good too. You're right. Like it's just like dark and ominous, and it hangs. Yep. It's, well, I got him, I got so him much- in the mind because I watched uh, the original Halloween yesterday. There's so much piano on this record, so much keyboard, so much synth. But it's not like it's not like forefront, you know. No, it's it's, it's in, no, a, in, in a lot of ways. I think the keyboard work in this album does never overshadow stuff. And if he was going for a more electronic vibe, it never takes away yeah. from it because the keyboards were always there with Guns N' Roses. When the electronics take away from this album is when its electronic drum beats gone awry. Absolutely, um, yeah. Which has happened, and it'll happen again. And, and the the one thing that hasn't happened yet in this album is like for like an industrial inspired album, it's not very dark. No, it's actually upon these last revisiting it, it's it's more positive than I remembered it ever being. Absolutely. And do you know what I think that is? I think that's because our actual reality is so dark. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. You know, you know I, I just got dinner with a guy last night, and he introduced me to his friend from Sweden. And listening to this gentleman from Sweden talk about their immigrant crisis was like hearing somebody that's uh, wearing a red hat in the Amer- United States talk about it times a thousand. And I was like, oh, uh-huh. the whole goddamn world's really going, doing a hard right. And, uh, yeah. Not, listen to, you know, the Politico podcast, but yes, then when you no. from 10 years ago, you're like, oh, this is kind of light and uplifting in a way compared to this. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't that crazy? It's like, it's, it's, this is the melancholia turn where like, at the moment, our perspective was so different than it is now that it's like this seems like just oh that's nice that's very that's very that's very positive that's some good work but it, at the time it must have been at, at the very least brooding you know like moody 
And I don't get any of that now. No, and the, and the yeah. way this song, excuse me, the way this song ends, it kind of sounds like Axel's like like singing, like a, to an old friend or apologizing to someone or something. It sound it comes from a place of a, I don't know the exact words he's using, but it sounds almost like a not regretful, but a admitting, uh, you could have been a better person kind of kind of vibe. And while that's going yeah. on, and I guess this is like a theme for when this album really works again. It's got like three different guitar players doing eight different things, but it kind of surrounds yeah. Axel's vocals in a way that it works. Yeah, he, he ends up he ends up he throws real words in there not the end, but he does he does and like an hour or not an hour, but like a, a minute of na na too. Like he starts singing na yeah. <laughs> like just intermittently, just like na na, like just out of out of nowhere. And I'm not going to sing a lot on this podcast, but yeah, it's, well, you can do it. it's it's yeah. a good song. No, I no I don't here. I don't think it's I, I the name Catcher in the Rye just associating it with that book or just like that just kind of drags me too. Like I get kind yeah, of dragged no, by that. That's kind of lazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whenever someone brings up Catcher in the Rye, it's shorthand for somebody that thinks they're smarter than they really are. Um, yeah. Or it's the last book they ever read. <laughs> In 35 years. I would not put that past that, but I don't know. I don't know much about that. But. Yeah, I don't know how well read Axel is. Um, yeah. I mean, if he's staying up all night watching Nick reruns, I don't think very much. If that's what's... If this song is built on Catcher in the Right and Carissa explains it all, I don't think he's reading that much these days. All right. Okay. We're we're almost almost to the home stretch. We're uh we're like at the bottom of the sixth inning right now. We gotta knock these out, man. Yeah, I know. Okay. <laughs> Scraped. Don't worry. Not much to say here. All right. Uh pausing. All right. Scraped. That was your case of scraped. And not just because it's getting late, but I have absolutely nothing to say about this. You just summed it up, Ian. What what do you got to say about scraped? lot of whining there's there's some there's some not bellowing but like it's a lot of axel just like whining and there's a lot of not noodling but like guitar like guitar scales in it it's just it's an odd it's an odd song it's fast paced too which is it's kind of crazy because there hasn't been a lot of fast paced songs like what was the last one like yeah it is it is a, it is a rocker but it's a very yeah it, it, it yeah. it's very average sounding. It just kind of stays in the middle of the lane. It doesn't do any wild experimenting. The most like the most out of the ordinary thing going on in this song is it opens up with Axel just caterwauling. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there's like five different Axels and a couple of divas, and it's hard to tell who's who. Just making scat sounds. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of thrown together, but it's not it's not like a 
I don't know. It's yeah. It's, the guitar looks pretty good at the beginning too. Like after it starts, it picks up. There's like a chug to it. Yeah, it's got a good rhythm. Yeah, but it's. But if it's, it, you know, if a chug and a rhythm is all you need, then uh, <laughs> like their their bones, but you know. Not this is not a ZZ Top song. That was not a dig at ZZ Top. ZZ Top is great. Um, yeah, but this is yeah, it's not. It's it's a weird. One. He winds a lot into it. It's like uh, it's especially at the beginning. Like it just starts with him like <laughs> going off. Like hopefully, hopefully that's the clip you're playing. It's just him whining at the beginning of it. The word for it is caterwauling. Um, caterwauling. Right. That's so weird. Scraped. That's all we're gonna give you. Next up is I don't even know how to pronounce this damn song. Is it Riyadh in the Bedoins? <laughs> that's perfect. That's, yeah, I don't think I could have said it better. <laughs> and if it's not, it should be. <laughs> All right. Here's Riyadh in the Bedoins. <laughs> in the Bedoins is not as boring as Scraped. As a matter of fact, it is very interesting, but I wouldn't call it a good song. It no, is, we're definitely in the off-road territory right now. Yeah, it's not a good song, but it's interesting. And the reason it's interesting is it, it hits at about like the the minute mark. It takes such a hard, bright turn, it becomes a completely different song out of nowhere. And yeah, it's, there's it's, there's no transition to it at all. It sounds it sounds like somebody took two different songs and stitched them together. Uh, it's a time traveling song. This is is this one of the ones where he started it in 1999 yeah, it and ended like, it in. Yeah, it sounds like he, he started it in '99 and then he can't, he started the verse in '99 and then the chorus in 2005. <laughs> and, and they he, do not come together at all. And then he finished it a week before the. I'm looking around. It's weird, man, but I don't hate it. But I mean, there's there's breath of coherence. You know, there's like the part. There's the part. The part I like about it. The all my frustrations. That 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 section of it to the chorus is good, even though it sounds like it's stitched on. And then on top of that, there's bucketheads all over the song in the second half, and it's fun to listen to. But it's kind of it's it's like a it's Frankenstein. It's a Frankenstein. Song. I kind of I kind of wish it was just that part that you said that all my frustrations. Yeah, that part's it's really. Great. It's actually really cool. That's like that's the breath so coherent. That's when it comes up and you're like whoa, like that's yeah, kind of cool. It's, but it's buried in a whole bunch of ah ah ah. Like uh, Axel just yeah. wails and moans all over this record. It's when you it, sit it down and, for sure. When you try to sit down and discuss this record, you realize how much of the vocal ticks are not words. No, yeah. That's why that's why I never listened to his lyrics. I, I feel I feel like he had these two songs, maybe they're the same song, but he put them together for that reason. Like they're they're back to back for that reason. Yeah, well he should have separated them and then gotten rid of scraped and uh 
if the world they should be one song. Yeah, they should be one song. It's only one idea, but it's I can't say that they should be one song because I don't know how that actually is. But it's I don't know. They're they're, they're weird. It takes a turn, man. It's. <laughs> I couldn't imagine if you were Axl Rose. Imagine if you were Axl Rose. That would mean that Axl Rose would be an Oakland A's fan. And I can't imagine the, the it, amount of tantrums that man would have. <laughs> he, he wears Raiders. He wears Raiders jersey, so I hope well, maybe that's because of LA, though. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he's really happy with John Gruden. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have time for that. <laughs> no. I don't want to make time either. All right. We're one we're we're one song away from my favorite song. Okay, sorry. That's the name <laughs> of the next song. Sorry. This one is. There's a cup. Yeah, this is definitely Axel, like being like, you know, you're the crazy one, not me. Like that's that type of lyrical content. Yeah. Yeah, it's a long one too. It's over six minutes. Six. I think it's the the third longest song in the album. Yeah, I I don't hate it. I like it. I like it's Axel. It's like it's like it's somewhat self righteous. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's him. It's like, it's his, not ego, that's the wrong word, but it's his genius or his craziness or everything a part of it. I, I mean, it's it's pure, it's condensed. It's condensed Axel. Yeah, well, it, it, and, uh, it, it's condensed Axel and it's also uh, condensed. Musically, it's got, I think it's got some more flamenco guitars, but not as egregious. And, yeah. Uh, it's got these ridiculous, it's got live drums. It's got like four different types of axle singing. It starts with the vampire voice, and then it goes like, you know, like, you don't it's know why. Yeah, <laughs> but it's good too. It it, it kind of just it yeah, kind of just meanders me. along. Yes, meanders. Yeah. this song meanders. Totally, for it doesn't need to be. I mean, it's six minutes. It's the song. It's the song, but it just meanders the whole time, and it just goes through it and the guitar and the vocals go in and out but it, it takes a long time to get to where it's going and I think when they get to where they're going they just like turn around and, and go back I don't, I don't think they had any idea why but it's you really hit the nail I like the, I like the I like the attitude of it though I do the song has attitude and then it tries to get some like rising action but then it forgets what it was doing and it doesn't know how, how to, what to do with itself. 
He just puts his hands back in his pocket and just walks right out of the convenience store yeah, again. Like, hey, do, I, do I use the vampire voice again, or do I go to, like, you know, the angry accent voice? You know, the, yeah. he's, switching, he's careening wildly between the lanes of the song. He really is. It's, right. well, but it's it's likable. You no, know, it's a, it's not a bad song. It's a mess, especially this late, this late in the in the track listing. Yeah, well, we're we're going into the home stretch. We're rounding third now. And, and now it's a good now it's a good stuff. Wow, that's the best. <laughs> now one of it's really good. Okay, let's just get to it. So sorry, yeah. not sorry. Not a bad song. Not the best song. Uh, we're wow. kind of—I got to be honest with you, folks. We're just itching to get to the next track, so we're gonna. I do that. like this track. <laughs> All right, then we are going to listen to IRS. Axl Rose song of Axl Rose songs. We have IRS, which yeah. is a, a paranoid free, fever dream. <laughs> the, whole, the whole song. I mean, in the song, he 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 really says. I think he says he's going to call both the FBI and hire a private eye. Yeah, um, and call the president. <laughs> yes, he's going to call the president. <laughs> and 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 you don't know which president he's talking about because this album took so long to come out. It might have been Bush. And it changes the context. Actually, no, it could have, it could have been George or Bill Clinton. It could have been Bush. And yes. maybe if you, you know, had his finger on the pulse of the Senate races and saw that young up-and-comer, he might have predicted Obama. I don't know. Definitely. Oh, no, because, oh, yeah, I guess he would have to finish it right then and there. Because but it, it came have been, out in November. Yep, he still wouldn't you know, yeah. He would he would call Trump to tell him what he really thinks of himself because he is not a fan of uh, Captain Orange. Mm-mm. Or this, or Sessions, especially. Yeah, no, he's gone on record. He's a... Uh, actually, you know, i got to say... That's right. Getting, yeah. get, getting back to bad lyrical choices in his youth, he does seem pretty progressive in this, this current climate, which mm-hmm. it doesn't seem hard to do. I mean, all you got to do is not be a Nazi and you're progressive these days, but still... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, his philosophy is always like just like good people, right? Mm-hmm. And you never know really what he thinks good people is, but I think that's just what it comes like good people. Like I think that's what he thinks, and I don't know what he thinks bad people is, but he definitely says Jeff Sessions isn't good people, right? Is that what he, how he put it? Yeah, something like that. Well, he was the yeah. only person in the world that was able to not get along with Slash for a while. So. Ah, uh, yeah, that's weird. that's a strike. Yeah, it's, it's, it's got to be tough. But back to the unless, 
unless he really knows something. <laughs> no, I think it was more. I think I think I think Slash is just like, man, I just don't got to deal with this right now, and that went on for like. Yeah. Years. But back mm-hmm. to this track. This is a great song. It's a paranoid song. It uh, yeah. It starts off again. It starts off again with weird hip hop beats and actual caterwauling. But yes. It it quickly gets to a better place. It's a very mm-hmm. indignant song. It's a it's got a good strong riff. Um, it, yeah. It, has a, it, it kind of like has like a, you know, we were saying earlier that uh, better was like a good walk your dog song. Yeah. This is a a good stair stepper song. If you want to use the stair machine at the gym, IRS is for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'd have to you'd have to edit it because it has a slow build up at the very beginning, right? Yeah, yeah but yeah, the the you're right. The guitar the riff, the guitar and the riff is really good. It's like a good rock riff. Had that weird breaking beats at the beginning. Oh, it's weird, but. <laughs> It's a good build-up, too, man. Like, it's so good when he kicks in. I like that. Like, I don't know. It's it's kind of like there's attitude to it. There's some songs on here that just have that actual attitude that just takes you to his his psyche. So, yeah, this, this, yeah, this song is both like the Axl Rose saying, why do I have to pay my bills? And mm-hmm. the Axl Rose also saying, <laughs> if you don't get off my case, I'm going to call a fucking private dick to follow you around. <laughs> That's so... At the same time, the song is all about being paranoid and all about wanting to kick someone's ass. That, yeah, that it's sums like up a, Axl Rose. <laughs> that's a great window into like what it's like to be a rock star and like Axl Rose, and that's kind of what you want from a rock star, like an Axl Rose type. And I just think it's a good, it's a good Guns N' Roses. Like this is what Guns N' Roses is now. You know, like uh, I feel like this should have been named like Chinese democracy, maybe as like or in like in that same vein because I think it this is the record in its nutshell. This is what kind of like when I think of this record, I think of this song. I think of like how this song is and how it's constructed and like all the different competing not egos, that's the wrong word, but like the competing drive and vision of these people. And I think this is kind of cool because it's so it's so all over the place. I don't know. That's just kind of what I think about when I think about this album. There's no, I don't think it's pretentious either. Do you like? No, not at all. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's just attitude. Unfortunately, to use this term, it's Axel being Axel. But uh, yeah, this is uh, what happens when you hold yourself up in a mansion and try to make a record for 15 years. And that's why it works. This is the most Brian Wilson, not Brian Wilson's song, unless it's the one about like being good to your feet. You know, <laughs> like it's kind of just like crazy. This song's kind of crazy. There's nothing on here that's as bad as vegetables, but yes. Um, all right, three songs left. One yes. the classic, two. This is a weird one. Yeah. All right, we're gonna go right into Madagascar. Oh, that's a good 
We are. All right. So Madagascar, which I forgot how <laughs> this song does some interesting things. It uh, <laughs> it, it it starts off with what sounds like um kind of a Casio keyboard tone you would find on the like a if you were to hit the demo key on an old keyboard. Um that's what those keys sound like. And then it kinda goes into synths that remind me of uh um Gangster's Paradise. The cool Yeah. Song. You you feel that? And with the drums too, yeah. Yeah. And uh Axel kinda has like a forlorn thing going on. It's a slower paced song. Yeah. He seems reflective. He seems regretful. And I'm just going to get to it. I'll let you say your piece, but I'm just going to spill all my brains out about this song. All of this stuff is okay, but then about two-thirds of the way through, (laughs) it has a breakdown where they go back and they reuse the speech from Civil War, which is the Cool Hand Luke speech, but then they take Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech and splice them together. And I have to say it works. I think it works well. <laughs> what do you think? Mm, I, I think he's paying, I don't know, yeah, he's paying, he's definitely like, the, the reflective part, yeah, the sample, it works in this song, for sure. Like it works, I don't know why it's called Madagascar. But it works in this song. It totally works in this song. And it's a strong song, and it's kind of more familiar to some of the ones that were on earlier, especially like before Catching the Rye, in terms of like it fits that aesthetic. The drums, again, like the the electronic drums is always such a weird sound for me. But he's he's bemoaning. Yeah, it's like like he's bemoaning. It's bemoaning, like his lyrics. Right? Is that how you'd say that? I think that's a good like, way to put it. But, okay, because that's like, it's it's reflective. I think maybe he's like somewhat apologizing for some of his earlier songs. Like we were talking about like One in a Million. It seems like it's kind of not like throwing a, like, you know, not kind of like confronting it, but like saying like, this is kind of who he is. And I think that's cool. Like, I, like, I like that aspect of it. It seems kind of vulnerable in a way, the song, even though like the, the sample and like the Civil War pieces out of place, a little bit out of place, but it, it works in the context of the song. The, um, it, it's, a, the music, it's an odd one. The music in the, that, that supplements the Martin Luther King part is actually pretty badass. It, uh, yeah. it has like a descending, like, uh, I don't think there's anything sinister about the topic, but the feel of it is kind of like, a, it has a weight to it. The, the, the 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 guitar dropping out and kind of just lurking beneath those samples is uh it's well done. So it never it never quite like the song for me it never gets to like the epicness I would want it to considering that they're using fucking Martin Luther King speech like it never like yeah. audibly gets to it never seems to climax the way I want it to but uh it's it's a good it's a good experience overall. It's it's yeah it's weird too though like to think like if that's if those are the ideas he wants to convey to I don't I don't understand where it's coming from in this instance like why don't just put a track which is the speech 
it's like he's trying to put that in his audience. Like, you don't need to score that. The words are, like, so powerful. Anyway, so, like, I have this weird mix with it. Like, I don't, I don't quite understand it, but it works in the context of the song. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how they cleared it. <laughs> Tell you the truth, but public domain. I'm not sure. Mm. All right, so Madagascar, you're an odd duck. You have a weird name, and you do some weird things. But you definitely did. I, I was not. Did, were you expecting a Martin Luther King sample in the middle of it? I wasn't expecting it, but I wasn't surprised. <laughs> you know. That's a, I guess that's uh, a good. One. <laughs> I mean, like, I would you be? It's. Yeah, it's weird, man. Yeah, I guess not. I don't know. I think I wasn't, I, 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 but I wasn't surprised. Is Chinese democracy in a nutshell? Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Uh, second to last track is "This I Love," and hold on a second. Let's listen to a clip. There is a special light still shining bright, and even on the darkest night, she can't deny. This I love. I think this should be the last track on the album. I think I love this song, and it's far superior than the closer. But yeah, <laughs> so they played this live when we saw them in San Francisco, and this song is basically elegant piano, Axel running the gamut on vocals all over the place, mainly. Mm-hmm. I think he, I think he hits all his like different Axel voices in the song, except for the vampire, um, and the drums kind of take a back seat. But there's some good fretwork towards the end of it. Um, it was a good song to have Slash come out and play. Like it was, I, I can see why they picked this one to play it live. Um, it's definitely the first. The first half is pretty much just piano and vocals, and then the second half is a showcase for the guitar and Axel continu- continuing to start getting just like screeching louder and louder. You know, like, oh my God, if she can hear me. Da 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 But uh it has a a good pace to the, the vocals that uh suit the I don't know, forlornness. Like th- this song seems to be uh, this song is basically like a woman like a, a love lost. That's what this song yeah. is. It's, it's love lost. It's it's Axel's lament. Like he's this he's song should be called Axel's lament. That would be great. <laughs> he's he's straddling the line. Now there's there's he it, there's some vampire elements. He doesn't go full vampire, but at the beginning when he's playing the piano and he's going into it, he's, he he could get there. You could see where he's okay. like restraining himself, but it's good. It's it's a solid ballad. I would say it's a definitely oh, yeah. ballad, and the and the guitar parts are like. It's very much a bad thing. Yeah, and it's kind of, it's not stripped down. I mean, it's nothing on this album is stripped down, uh, but it's, it's, it's well balanced. And it's, it's cool. It's a Guns N' Roses song. It's a Guns N' Roses ballad. 
That's solid. Yeah, it's a, it's a it, but he's he's brooding. He's <laughs> he's out there putting it on the line. It's it's a good song. Well, the, pian- definitely the, the, p- the piano work on it is so like I I imagine like when they played this live, it was a sin that they didn't have a candelabra on top of the piano and actually. <laughs> it's just so just like there's the vampire aspect as you expect to like to be walking up the steps in Dracula's castle. Ooh, welcome to my life. <laughs> it, it totally does, man. It has some of that, but he doesn't. He doesn't like. It's not. It's not like two D. Like it, it's. It's pretty. There's depth to it, and and it. I like. I like that about it. It fits with some of the earlier songs for sure, and it never really picks up that like has like a like rock and rock and element to it. But it's. it's yeah, a solid. you know, you you said that a couple of times, and definitely this album is it's front loaded. The 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 highlights are the first half. And so when you can find a couple of those highlights in the second half, uh, you're like, oh, this reminds me of the first half of this album. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. You know, uh, uh, everything gets weird after scraped. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, This I Love is a great track. They think it's good enough to play live, which means, and that says something like, better This I Love, Chinese Democracy, we think, if they're playing those live, that means that people that had nothing to do with this album thought they were good enough to bring, you know, give give their spin on. So that that, that speaks to their quality. Mm-hmm. Like I think if they would have decided to try to have a slash pluck if the world live, he would uh, not not be a part of it. <laughs> he just walked off. Yeah, it so never would have happened. Forty-two minutes after we plan to be done, we are now at the last track. But you know that's how these things go. Um, let's take a second and listen to Prostitute. So Prostitute is a fucking weird song, and I guess even though This I Love is a better song, Prostitute is a good closer only because I, for an album this disjointed, why not end with a song this disjointed? Um, yeah. it's It does have a few of the themes during this album, though. It's upbeat to an extent, which we discussed happens in this album quite a bit. Um, also, it's another album that definitely kind of talks about fucking someone over and realizing it and trying to be a better person. Um, so I see those two things going on. Counterpoint, it again, has weird electronic drums, and it yeah, also man. kind of, there's something about this song that reminds me, I hate to say this, this is such a sin, but I'm sorry, Axel, I know that you started this album in 1999. Uh, a big hit of that summer was Lem's Don't You Steal My Sunshine. My mind was thought, don't lease the birds, all twisted around. 
Something about this song reminds me of that song. That is insane. Yeah, I love that song. That song's good. It's not a good song. <laughs> it's a good pop song. Um, so this is a weird track. It, it definitely, the meat of this track is in the middle. Um, there's an indignant, like, hey, I'm admitting that I fucked up, but, you know, if I did all these things, that must mean that you put me in a place to be this way kind of section where... Uh, the guitars kind of get angry, and then it kind of just dissipates. And the album literally, like, it ends with just the music kind of falling off, and the last minute's just kind of like everything getting quieter. And, yeah. and then it just kind of sounds like somebody put their, like, left the, the, the orchestra chamber or something. I don't know. It, it fades out in a weird way. It's like they had that part first. Like they just like, hey, let's just like play like long notes for a while and like just yeah. fade off like, and then work backwards from there. It just doesn't. It doesn't work. Um, I also don't like the name. Yeah, but, I don't even know. I don't know what the name has to do with this, uh, the lyrical content at all. Uh, yeah, and it's like a self-reflective thing. I don't know. Nothing. Nothing grabs me. On this one, it never has, but a lot of like end songs and end albums never really do. You know, it's like hard to when you have something this long. This song, this album's like seventy minutes, so everyone's exhausted. You <laughs> can't all you, you can't always end with Rocket Queen. You want to, but you can't. Oh Jesus, yeah, yeah, that's such a good closer. This makes me want to listen to Rocket Queen again. Uh, Could you imagine if this album ended with Rocket Queen? Like they just that never came out, and then they had Chinese Democracy, and then it ended with Rocket, like Rocket Queen for the first time. That would be insane. Well, I <laughs> he could have just reused the ending of Rocket Queen. I mean, he reused the goddamn Cool Hand Luke sample. Why not? That would be cool if this was like an like an amalgamation of all his other there's like little bits and pieces of his other uh, albums in this. That'd be crazy. That'd probably be a better a better album. But it's still a pretty solid album. I don't think you can really say much about this last track though. It's forgettable. Thank you for doing this tonight. This took us a yeah. lot to do. Uh, if you were to I'll get to why I was laughing in a second. Um, 
on the nine on the pod like a whole podcast, we always end with saying how we we scale we rate the albums on a scale of one to nine for nine Mm-hmm. So cool. scale of one to nine, what do you give Chinese Democracy? Hmm. And this is taking this is standalone or taking into account all the other designers and stuff. I think you have to take into account everything because the only way this album gets made is if the stuff existed before it, even if they don't sound like each other at all. Mm-hmm. What's been What's been the lowest Nine Inch Nails record so far for you guys? What was the ranking? Well, it was like a number. I think it was four. I think we gave like a remix album a four, which it was a remix album. Okay, cool. That's kind of where I was sitting on this one, so it's kind of oh sitting. I'd say this is this is probably a four, a four point five. Below what average. What you say? You, you're saying yeah. it's below average. I would give it a six. Yeah. I'd give it a six. What? You'd wait, give wait, this wait. album a six? No, 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 no. More like a five. I'll give it a five. See, there you go. We're pretty close. Four point yeah. five, five. That's that's in the same ballpark. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, it's just because. What would you give spaghetti? What would you give spaghetti into this? A three point seven. Oh shit! Okay, so this is below spaghetti incident, or this no, is above spaghetti this is above, incident. Yes. Yeah, this, above this is above spaghetti. See, there you go. Good. I would say you first. That's pretty good for spaghetti incident. I, I agree with that. I yeah. agree with that ranking. And, yeah, there's a, you know, there's that fifties oh, doo-wop cover, and then it's not much else. It's just because this is so different. Like this is, this is him doing something different, which you can't, you can't like be like so mad about it for Guns N' Roses record. But it's also like not the original lineup. It's not everything that falls into the Guns N' Roses like into their box. Let's just say. But there's some really good Guns N' Roses songs on this album. Oh, there definitely is, and there's definitely some great ideas in this album. That even yeah. at its most, sometimes a song isn't really doing what I want it to, but at least there's something interesting going on, which uh, you can't say that. I mean, it's never boring, but it's never boring. Yeah. It never suffers from that. Yeah. Um, and 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 definitely there are some there are some moments where I just uh, like I said, there's a couple of songs that would make it onto a mixtape, maybe two absolutely. Songs. But you know that's that's better than none. <laughs> but it, I'm, yeah. I'm glad I'm glad we did this. Like I said, the whole reason I wanted to do it was a. It's just fun to talk to an old buddy about music. But uh, yeah, definitely this album would not exist in its form if Nine Chanels was never a thing. Just because Axel was a fan of Nine Chanels, and then he managed to pluck the guitar player and drummer from them. And it's not like he did that just because they're chops. I'm sure that the fact that they had 
the pedigree of working with this other band that he admired had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. And he always, he also always, like I said, <laughs> he made my world, so he really was trying to do the one-man band thing a long time ago. What a terrible song. Uh, <laughs> that about sums it up. I, I think anyone that listened sat through this podcast, you've probably already listened to this album. And if you haven't, give it a shot. It's definitely an interesting curiosity. I don't even think the other hosts of your podcast are going to listen to this. <laughs> I'm going um, to be interested I, to see how long this is going to stay up. <laughs> yeah, pirate radio is going to get tore down. I actually... um. Eric, I, I I said, Eric, just listen to it. Come on, give it a shot. And he did listen to it, and he said, ah, there's definitely some ideas there. So he he, he, he put in good work. Uh, Mark was on a Guns N' Roses kick and listened to their entire discography, but he could, not make it, he could not make it through this album. He said he got four songs in, and he had to stop. The, so. four, those, four, those four songs, wow, he really jumped off early. Yeah, I feel yeah. like those four songs are good for, for like those first four, like the first seven. Yeah, you can I, make it through all of them. I guess if you're listening to every album in a row, it would just be, it just your brain would break if you weren't expecting yeah. what you get. You definitely need to create the ratio where like you're listening to the albums in like a weird time period in which they like came out. So you yeah. need to take enough a long break in between even spaghetti incident. And then this, yeah, so like if you, were to, if, you, if you were to properly be able to transition into this, you would listen to all of the Guns N' Roses albums, and Real then fast. listen to all of ICP's albums, and then you listen to Chinese <laughs> Democracy, and that might work out. <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, this is good. This is real good. <laughs> but then, but then oh, you know, the music boxes wouldn't be so jarring. Um, but, oh, yeah. That's good. I, I want to know their ranking. So when you guys do do this again, when you guys are back... What's going to be the next one after this? Is, is it going to be the shows or the next what? The next Nine Inch Nails one? Or yeah, when are you guys back? That uh, there should be a new episode in the next two weeks, which is the one of the album Ghosts, which was the four the four album instrumental uh, Nine Inch Nails thing. Yeah. And, uh, it's a chore. Four albums, <laughs> four instrumental albums. Think about that. Think about talking about four albums of instrumental music. We just talked about Chinese democracy for two hours, so I think yeah, you guys be good. All right, well, to that, it is a uh, is the witching hour, so I'm going to go. But I I really appreciate you setting the time aside to do this, pal. Of course, dude. Thanks for even asking. It's it, it's been a, it's been fun. Of course, you're one of a. You're one of one of the good ones. And I will talk to you later.